0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, October 12th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to start off another fun week of shows here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Whenever you're listening to this episode, thank you so much for supporting us, for encouraging us, for for being there as the listeners, as as this show really does continue to grow. I'm really shocked at how many total listens we continue to get. That means people are Definitely going back and listening to a lot of the previous episodes, they're all there, one through a hundred. And uh, how many have we done now? Man, one hundred and forty-three episodes. I think we've done. This will be uh, this will be one forty-three, and it's crazy how it all started. But here we are now, and we're rolling right along. This is the second week of our new format, which is Mondays is just me really doing a sports recap show and maybe some thoughts from the weekend. Wednesday, of course, is Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in, the former. Retired police officer, retired college baseball umpire. Those of you who have listened to this show know all about Bill Barnes. And on Fridays, we are going to have a guest, much like we've been doing the previous format where we had a bunch of long-form, inter- long-form interviews, really. We'll also do our Suds with Studs segment before that interview. And I think last week it went really well. Todd Carson was on the show. My very good friend from, uh, well, he's in Northern California these days working A charter school, um, has four kids now and doing great things. He really went into some depths of um, and discussion really about his personal life a little bit and some of the things he went through uh, in his uh, more recent years and everything. So I think it was something that a lot of people can learn from. It was something that uh, a lot of us needed to hear, I think, because there are people who are in similar situations that Todd was in. Uh, regarding you know just depression and things like that so got some great feedback on that interview and that discussion with todd and i was so thankful that todd was willing to discuss those things we talked about a lot of other great things too you know kind of who are some of the influences in our lives really with uh uh, different radio shows or podcasts and stuff. So that was just so much fun. And and I don't get to talk to my good friend, Todd, enough. So it was a blast catching up with him. If you have not had a chance to check that out, be sure to give a listen. And we did our Friday Suds with Studs segment also. Uh, that went well. We talked about Ted Williams, the Hall of Fame Major League Baseball player, who uh, is, I think, better known for, Well, maybe not better known, but uh, I guess definitely more respected and more cherished, I will say, for his military service, being one of the top baseball players of his time and really serving the country in the military and probably took away five years of his playing career uh, right in the middle of things. Right. As he was winning, you know, MVPs and batting titles and everything, probably the greatest hitter, arguably one of the best hitters of all time. And that was a fun conversation talking more about his military service than uh, baseball, of course, because that's kind of what we do on Fridays with our studs with studs segment. And anyway, that's kind of a a rundown of our shows last week. We were a little late on Wednesday with Bill Barnes. We wanted to get him out on Wednesdays. Of course, that's his day. That's his little, little catchphrase we have on the weekly Wednesday weigh in. But we had to put a show out on Thursday last week. The goal this week is to have a recording with Bill, either have that out very early Wednesday morning or Wednesday around noon, as long as Bill doesn't get called into work or or uh, I have to go in super early or the scheduling conflict. Anyway, that's, that was the uh, kind of the hiccup last week, but in moving forward this week, I think we're going to have a great uh, week of shows, just three, three days. Three days is the new format, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for those of you who uh, have not heard that yet, but I will continue to to uh, discuss that with you. Uh, we are going to break this show pretty much into, uh, well, three three categories, three segments, if you will. This opening segment, of course, where we'll kind of give a quick rundown uh, and some thoughts of mine. And then the second segment will be dedicated pretty much to a college football recap, some thoughts from Saturday in college football. And then the final segment will be uh, all about the NFL and things we saw on Sunday, um, some really terrible news in Dallas with Dak Prescott uh, the compound fracture of his ankle and uh, dislocation. His season is over, and there's a whole lot of things we'll discuss about that. Uh, some college football uh, fun on Saturday, which we will discuss. So those are kind of the two other segments. But in this segment, a couple of things I want to say off the bat is that, you know, first off, the Tampa Bay Rays, they uh, took a one nothing lead, uh, series lead over the Houston Astros, And uh, Tampa Bay, man, they 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 pitched well. They won the game, I believe it was two to one last night. It was pretty cool seeing football. And then all of a sudden, boom, there was a football break before the, the night game. And there was, there was baseball right there. It was, there it was game one of the ALCS. So I checked that out. I watched a lot of that kind of on the side as I was watching the Vikings and uh, Seahawks game later. Uh, there was another sporting event on last night, but I didn't pay too much attention to it. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people out there did, but, uh, I, I really didn't that much. And, uh, yes, I know I'm not going to uh, dance around it too much, but the, the Los Angeles Lakers did win their 17th NBA title last night. Uh, I'm curious to see the ratings to see again, if it was another ratings disaster. Um, you guys know that I do not like LeBron James. I, I just, I am not a fan of his at all. Uh, and it. I could I could take away his politics even it, it's I don't like that but I I dislike the man for a lot of reasons but uh in his uh bold brave statement he had said about the championship uh I believe it was something along the lines of I'm just trying to get my respect too and well what's comical about that is that I I hate listening to him talk because it's like nails on a chalkboard I don't think anyone is worshipped more by the sports media than LeBron James. I don't like the guy, and I sit here and I talk about him. I mean, there's plenty of other you know shows, and every network out there seems to just think this guy walks on water, which we talked about on Friday a little bit. Uh, he still thinks he doesn't get, like, respect. He is so fake. He, everything he says is so fake. It's just it's ridiculous, man. Michael Jordan, that documentary, The Last Dance. Anytime he talked about having a chip on his shoulder or, uh, you know, really needing motivation, like you could see, all oh, that was so real. Just look at his face during games. I mean, look at LeBron's face during games. He always has this like worried look. It's either a super worried look or hey, look how great I am. I'm not saying you can't show emotion, but man, to to compare him in the same sentence as Michael Jordan is just laughable to me. I know he's in the finals all these times, and he. Oh man, we've never seen anything like him. Well, yeah, yeah, we probably have. We've seen quite a few guys like him. So I'm not going to lie; he he's not the great one of the greatest players ever. I, I don't think he's on my Mount Rushmore of NBA players, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stand by that. I don't think he's been as clutch as. Some people give him credit for, and I'll tell you this right now. I think Anthony Davis, again, not having watched much basketball, um, I've seen, uh, honestly, I've seen a few highlights, but other than that, I don't really watch it. Uh, I personally believe Anthony Davis is the best player on that team and not LeBron James. So yeah, some of you are probably laughing, but it is what it is. Uh, I think there's some Lakers fans out there who are conflicted because um, like me, they they love the Lakers, but they see LeBron James as just someone who's not likable at all. And it's weird cheering for someone on your team that you don't like. Very unique. He He's very involved in the the narratives around the world, unless, you know, facts come his way that he doesn't like, then he kind of ignores them. Um, but for, for Laker fans out there, most, a, lot, a lot of people just said, ah, screw it. He's a Laker on with the Lakers to win. I care about the Lakers, the name, the name on the Jersey okay, fine. There's also people out there who I, I I speak for myself where I care. I care more about the, the Lakers brand or the team than I do about LeBron James. I'm going to see more Laker championships well after LeBron James been gone. Lakers are going to win plenty of those. I didn't need one this year with him because I've rooted against him for so many years. He's just a guy I can't root for. I look forward to win LeBron, uh, leaves the Lakers. Someone reached out to me and and said those words. I look forward when LeBron leaves the Lakers so I can wholeheartedly root for them again. I, I agree with that statement. And I think there are people out there who, Oh, you're not a loyal fan then. Well, no, maybe I'm a smart fan. Maybe blind allegiance. Isn't the way to go blind loyalty. One of the things in sports that I think is great, but it's also detrimental to us is blind allegiance. Your team can do no wrong. They're the ones always getting screwed. Uh, No matter what happens, I'm gonna root for this team. Really? Is that a good policy? Is that a good policy? I'm not so sure. I mean, I I, again, I've never had kids. I I don't think it's like kids. Oh, no matter what they do, I'm gonna love them, and and you know, you're still mad at them, though. You still punish them, don't you? Take it away from kids. Maybe. relatives. Sometimes you get in some real big arguments with relatives and you're like, you know what? I can't support, I can't support what you're doing. I can't or whatever. Usually when people grow up. So I, I don't believe blind allegiance, blind loyalty is a good thing. Now you want to take it to the political world with that kind of thought. There are people who will support a person or a cause no matter what, no matter what other issues or facts or events happen, no matter what blind allegiance. Again, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. I would argue probably more that blind allegiance is probably not the best policy, but with with sometimes some people out there, that's, That's their thing, and and it's part of what makes sports great. is Is the fandom fandomness, the fanhood, whatever you want to call it. It stands for fan uh, fan stands for fanatic, right? You blindly uh, follow people you've never met. Generally, you buy their jerseys, their merchandise. They make a lot of money off of you. You pay that. You pay money products because of strangers because of other of wealthy people that you cheer for and support and more than likely again there's exceptions but those people those athletes are never going to love you back they say they do oh we have the best fans ever doesn't every team say that after they win the championship how come is that is could that really is that possible to be true can every organization who wins really have the best fans i think it's just uh a magical comfort food verbally kind of a thing you know so anyway blind allegiance i think with sports is think about it i i'm definitely a different person when the rams are playing i get worked up i get i but i've i've tried to bring it down a little bit bring it down and i i'd never i i'm not a guy who yells at referees because i you know i am one or was one anyway i understand that things happen mistakes are made and i'm just like oh man that one hurt or whatever but as far as blind allegiance goes, think about that. Let's look at ourselves, whether it be sports or politics or or anything really. Is it a good thing? Or maybe is it a good thing at times to you know, take a step back and be like, huh, let's think about this. Do I really want to support this? Do I really want to support this team, that candidate, that cause? Is it really good? Or should I just dive in and be like, "Oh yeah, no matter what, I'm in." Sometimes commitment is a good thing, but I'm talking about blind allegiance, blind loyalty. Just go right ahead, do whatever you want. I, I, I got, I support you guys. I think there is some situations where that's okay, but I think overall, it's something we should always uh, check ourselves on. Uh, r- real quick, you know, another baseball legend passed away, Joe Morgan. Um, 77 years young and legendary member of the the big red machine, Cincinnati Reds, great player. And what I really liked about Joe Morgan was when I was a kid, it was him and John Miller on the Sunday night baseball broadcasts and John Miller, you know, he, he, he's a broadcaster for the San Francisco giants. and, And, you know, he's supposed to not like the giants and everything, but John Miller, he's a pro man. He's a great announcer. And when he was working with Joe Morgan on Sunday night baseball, Oh, it was, it was, It was just the voices of Sunday Night Baseball. I thought they were both so good, so much better than what we have today. ESPN went a different direction a while ago. And and now, again, the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast product isn't very good. It's gotten better. I'll say that. It's gotten better. But man, when I hear Joe Morgan's voice, hear him analyzing a play or something that happened, and then John Miller giving the play-by-play, that was to me – uh, music, music to my ears hearing, um, good broadcasting like that. And not to say that there aren't good ones out there because there are plenty of them, plenty of great voices and great, uh, analysis, but man, Joe Morgan and John Miller on Sunday night baseball. I know it was years ago, but they were great. So rest in peace to Joe Morgan, uh, another baseball legend. we we seem to lost uh, a few here in, in bunches, really these past few, uh, few weeks, pretty, pretty wild stuff. And, you know, it's going to happen to all of us and, it's very sad, but uh, yes, Mr. R- rest in peace to Joe Morgan. And uh, kind of circling back to baseball now with the Dodgers and Braves starting up today in game one of the NLCS, that is the nightcap game two of the Astros and Rays is the one o'clock game. So we'll see what happens there. If the Rays can take a uh, two games to none lead or if the Astros can get a split uh, you know, what's interesting is the Rays, maybe I just didn't pay attention. Maybe other people didn't pay attention. I don't know. But the, you know, the Rays won 40 games this year, the, the Rays alongside the Dodgers were the only team was the only team to win 40 plus games. They won 40 games out of the six, out of the 60. Right. Um, and maybe some people, you know, said, oh, they're, they're a pretty good team, but uh, they kind of surprised me, even though they had, they had the best record in the American league. So watch out for the Tampa Bay Rays. They seem to be playing well. They, they beat the Yankees in five and, you know, already have a one nothing lead on the Astros. So we'll see what happens here with those Tampa Bay Rays. And I know a lot of people in Los Angeles, especially now that the Dodgers are, uh, or excuse me, the Lakers season is over that they got their full attention on the Dodgers now and LA is so hungry for a world series. Let me take that LA Dodgers fans, uh, I don't want to say they're quite the Cubs fans from years ago, but they they've been so close in recent history and they, they really want to get over the hump. And I think every year they think this is the year, this is the year. Right. But that's kind of one of the Dodger fan traditions as well. It's like very, Oh, we'll get them next year. Right. Dem bums or whatever. There's all kinds of history to it, but I think the Dodgers and brave series is going to be a good one. I really do. I think the Braves have a good lineup. Uh, they pitch pretty well as also. And the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They they've been there. They got a, a killer lineup and um, some, some good pitching. The relief pitching is very shaky though. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun week of baseball. The games, as I mentioned last week are just seven straight days. So Dodgers Monday through Sunday, this series could be over by Thursday or it could stretch into Sunday with game seven and the Astros and the Rays are already in game two today. Their series is a Sunday through Saturday. So their series could be over if there's a sweep by Tuesday. Let's see, my math right? No, 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 incorrect, Wednesday. Um, or it could stretch to Game 7 Saturday. So pretty cool stuff, very unique for sure. And uh, it's it's awesome having playoff baseball in October, like we always do. This is the first time, really, it's a, it's a sense of normal uh, for, for me, really. We got football going and baseball playoffs. It was awesome having other stuff too, other options. But uh, I got to tell you, Something about October. It's always nice. The weather changes and, and things get just uh, a little nicer as we start to head to our holiday season. And it's just uh, usually, usually people are a little happier. So, so anyway, should be an exciting week of baseball. Let's take a quick break, a quick breather, if you will. And then we'll dive into some college football talk. From a busy Saturday. I watched plenty of it myself. I, I'm sure you guys will want to hear a few of the topics we're going to discuss. So we'll uh, switch over to the college skin here just after a quick break. Well, what a fun Saturday we had of college football and it was really cool to see that there's still some gradual changes happening here and there. Some stadiums were a lot more full than they have been in recent weeks. Some had fans for the first time, some had a higher capacity of fans, some had fans in the stands uh, without mass requirements and uh, man, it was just it was just awesome. Again, getting back to normal, which is I think a good thing. A lot of great things from uh, college football on Saturday. Uh, doing this new job I'm at, a few friends, uh, co-workers were asking me, yeah, what do you got planned over the weekend? I said, well, I had about 10 hours of football on Saturday and about 10 more on, on Sunday to watch. So that's kind of my plan. And uh, I definitely did both of those legs. Uh, on Saturday, went downstairs and uh, had some coffee and started watching games early. Uh, the first game of the day, really, that, and I watched multiple games uh, throughout the day, couple different tvs which is fun but the red river shootout uh was definitely a shootout texas and oklahoma uh what a game that was a big time rival rivalry game and uh, it definitely delivered a lot of people there at the uh, dallas cotton bowl uh where they play the game every year a lot of people in the stands and man i'll say this about texas is that uh they rallied They, they, they they rallied back they uh you know, with what was it, 14 points in the final couple of minutes to tie the game to send it to overtime. And Oklahoma really kind of had control of the game most of the game uh, and then and it went to overtime. And you got to say, as well as Texas played in the final minutes, Oklahoma fans just have to be pulling their hair out as far as defensively and letting teams kind of uh, have their way with them in the fourth quarter. That just doesn't seem to be fixed. Now I'll say this. I'm not the guy that's ever going to sit there and be like, well, you know, our team or this, like some, some fans, we already talked kind of about it a little bit. Some fans think their team should do everything right all the time. And the other teams don't have coaches or players either. And they should never do well. Well, uh, two teams playing each other who dislike each other. Uh, anything can happen anyway, game goes overtime. Uh, Oklahoma eventually holds on to win. Fifty three to forty five in quadruple overtime, four overtimes, and it's interesting with the new, well, revised format of overtime rules in college football. Where you know, after uh, it's it's alternating possession starting at the twenty five yard line. I like that. I I know some uh, football diehards don't because it's like takes away the the kicking game or punt. I don't know. It's it's a shortened field. I think it's cool. I mean, you've played four quarters. To determine a winner, couldn't get there. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's let's go in a, a, a diagram or however you want to call it, abbreviated version of uh, of the game, and just go to one end of the field, alternate possessions. Uh, you go, we go, uh, type thing. So in the third overtime, you're required to go for two, and that's just because it's a little more difficult, and also to kind of instead of just trading extra points uh, back and forth. Um, so that's what happened in the third overtime and the fourth overtime, same thing. The revised version of overtime rules now is that if you go to a fifth overtime, then it is no longer full possessions. It is basically one play, one play. You each get to attempt a, a two point conversion from the three yard line. So you go and then we have to match it or we go, then you have to match it type of thing. And I, I thought we were going to see it for the first time since it's come out, or maybe I think it was out last year. But anyway, I, I haven't uh, seen it yet. I was kind of looking forward to that kind of the one play shootout style, if you will. Uh, but we, we didn't get there. It, uh, we were one overtime away. Uh, Oklahoma hung on to win for 53, 45 and quite a shootout for sure. You know, I, I'm critical of both of these teams, these teams, they both are two and two. Can you believe that? Uh, I'm critical of both of them because uh, Oklahoma is usually in the mix nationally. They're always up there. And, and then Texas rolls in. You know, a few years ago, they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl and their quarterback, Sam Ellinger, who doesn't seem like a bad guy. You know, he made the the infamous statement, and eh, we're back. It's like, no, no, Texas, you're, you're not back. You, until you're competing for, you know, Big 12 titles and college football playoffs consistently and not losing two of your first four games of the season. uh, You're not back. And, and, and you know, you guys got to find some type of defense out there. I I know there's good defensive football players in the state of Texas. I know that I know they exist. Why you guys can't seem to stop a cold is beyond me. So Texas needs to find a way to play some defense and uh, their offense seems okay. Uh, Just they, they sputter a little bit here and there and, as long as they don't turn the ball over, they should be fine. But man, both those teams get some defenses, will you? You guys supposed to be like the the top, uh, top teams in that region of the country. You, you, and there's a ton of good football players in the state of Texas recruiting wise. You telling me you, you can't go find some good defensive players. That, that's uh speaks volumes to, to coaching. I think if, if, if you don't, if you say you have the players or can't find the player, I don't know. But man, alive, no defense any, anywhere. And and I think a lot of this does have to do with this weird start to a season. I think for what the offenses are a little bit ahead of the defenses for, for sure. I, I don't know if that's always the case, but I think with kind of a later start, maybe the less practices here and there, I feel like offense is all about execution, right? Defense is about reaction and putting yourself in a best position to uh, out scheme an offense, but until you start seeing live snaps, live reps, full speed, real tackling. I think that's where defenses need that to happen before kind of, they get going. Uh, anyway, that's a theory. That's just my thoughts, but yeah, Oklahoma wins the red river shootout in four overtimes over Texas. Both, both teams are two and two. Uh, I think the big 12, uh, is kind of in trouble as far, as far as their teams go. Their their top two teams, allegedly not being, uh, you know, playing up to par. We did see more fans in the stands. Like I said, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I know that in some States like California, we'll, we'll, I feel like we'll never see stands again, fans in the stands again. Uh, It's just absurd that, you know, there's a virus that only attacks certain parts of the country. Allegedly that only is dangerous in certain cities and States. And uh, I just, I think you look at the policymakers, man, I think that that has a big difference. Um, another storyline from Saturday, LSU, you can't spell lose without L and an S in there. I mean, th- that's just, LSU is now one and two, uh, and it's not just that they lost, it's how they lost. We saw a few weeks ago when LSU lost to Mississippi State, and it was a big deal. They gave up all kinds of yards passing, and it was just ridiculous, right? Well, similarly, LSU lost to Missouri on Saturday. Missouri, the it's no, no disrespect to the Missouri Tiger fans. I know, I happen to, to know a few Missouri Tiger fans. But Missouri puts 45 points on you? Are you kidding me? The Missouri quarterback threw for over 400 yards. What, what, what is wrong LSU? What in the world is, I mean, you gave up, uh, outside of the fourth quarter, you gave up double digits and points every quarter. I mean, I don't know what the, the issue is for LSU. Coach Ogeron is a great football coach and really good defensive coach. And so I don't know what's going on. That, that's, that's really all I have to say is kind of echoing what I just said. Like, I think most defenses are just behind, they're behind a uh, schedule based off of how things are structured this year and yes it's an offensive game now there's all kinds of you know air raids and throwing the ball and, and you know spread options and zone all these different things I know it's tough to defend but man alive LSU used to be a tough as nails team that would win games you know 16 to 10 like it was that that's how they were and 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 have a history of great defensive backs there And to see them give up so many points is just unbelievable. And what was crazy is LSU gets the ball with under a minute left, I believe, or under two minutes at least. They get the ball first and goal at the Missouri one-yard line. One-yard line, first and goal. They run the ball, get stuffed. They run it again, get stuffed. Two straight runs, get stuffed. Great play by the Missouri Tigers here. And then on third down, I think a pass got batted down. And then on fourth down, uh, they'll, you know, roll out and pass was incomplete game over Missouri Tigers. Hold on. I mean, you knew they were going to kind of run the ball at least the first two times. I think, you know, they probably should have, could have run again. Um, you can't get one yard in three, you know, they didn't do it in two plays. I mean, you got to figure at some point you get a yard and keep running the ball, but the Missouri Tigers, Hey, uh, much credit to them with a big goal line stand at the end of that game and i'm sure LSU fans are just kind of staring blindly at their televisions like what just happened down to the 1 yard line and stopped on four straight plays you got to be kidding me so LSU's in trouble now look at they had a great team last year they won it all all right LSU you have nothing to complain about you you can hopefully still have some of your cigar left from last year's championship celebration that you can puff on during this season and just say, you know what, they won it last year. This year's a weird year. You, you'll be back. And they will. LSU's going to be back. They're a very good program. Uh, they always get great players and uh, they got good coaches there. But man, it, it's crazy to see them struggling so, so early, so bad. Speaking of the air raid and the team that beat LSU a few weeks ago. Oh, coach Leach. Mike Leach, we love you. I can't wait to talk to Bill about this with you on with him on Wednesday. Mike Leach and Mississippi State, after throwing for over 600 yards uh and beating LSU, they then score 14 points and lose to Arkansas. and then this week they score two points. not 22 two. Mississippi State scored two points. The same Mississippi State with all that offense a few weeks back. The Bulldogs lost to Kentucky twenty-four to two. I know Kentucky is 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 no juggernaut. All right. But Mississippi State, you want to talk about man. <laughs> it's- not saving any for the rest of the season. They just blew everything out in game one with uh, LSU and nothing now. Nothing left. Where's the air raid, Coach Leach? What happened? You scored two points and that wasn't even your offense. That was your defense. They had to bench KJ Costello through for 230 yards and four interceptions. a <laughs> Tough day when you have twice as many interceptions as points really tough day so (laughs) it's a humbling game out there i know that football is a humbling game and you know you're dealing with college kids but that is just shocking man you got to turn it around coach leach i got i got faith in you i really do but two points two points most teams don't you hardly ever see that it's either you know a team has no points or 3 points 2 points is like kind of embarrassing well it's kind of it is embarrassing and that was your defense who's going two points oh. oh that's so bad no defense anywhere except for those two points of course uh mississippi state but man that's just that's so sad and frustrating and and come on mississippi state mississippi state became mississippi state again i guess that's that's brutal uh another big game on saturday was the Alabama Ole Miss game, very wild game. Uh, the return of Lane Kiffin playing against the guy he co- in coaching with, excuse me, uh, Nick Saban, the longtime assistant for Nick Saban, or at least a few years before going off to other head coaching jobs. Well, Ole Miss looked pretty good in this game, and they hung with Alabama. And a couple things that stand out to me again with Alabama, I mentioned it last week, I think that they look pretty good against Texas A&M, but they kind of they gave up too many points. Well, I was surely mistaken, because not only did they give up a lot of points this week, they gave up double what they gave up last week. and they, they let Mississippi score 48 points on them. And it was back and forth. Every time Alabama scored, Ole Miss would score. It was just back and forth the entire game. It was pretty entertaining. I didn't expect much defense from Ole Miss, but I expected a little bit more from Alabama. Alabama has a really good offense this year, and uh, their defense is a little suspect. Lane Kiffin looked like he was coaching, uh, <laughs> coaching with a lot of extra uh, passion, and and he was doing a lot of good things. I think his program's going to do well in the future. But in the fourth quarter, yeah, he was like, "Okay, this is Alabama. You know, they're going to outlast you," and they did, and they scored. Uh, you know, after Ole Miss couldn't answer. Uh, after a Bama touchdown, they scored again, and you know ended up winning by two touchdowns, sixty-three to forty-eight. I hope. uh I, I don't know how many betters are out there. I'm not a gambler myself, but man, I don't know what the over/under was, but that's a lot of points scored. Uh, as far as as far as what is that, one hundred and eleven points? Yeah, unbelievable. So uh, seems to be no defense in the SEC either, except uh, you know Mississippi State game. You know when Kentucky gave up. Only two points, and no, uh, those are from their offense. So, oh man, I, I just, I, I like to see, I like seeing people get tackled. I like seeing hitting. I like seeing, uh, you know, goal line stands. I like seeing defense, and I'm not seeing it in college football. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. Uh, the big game next week. Oh, before I forget, Nick Saban's 21 and 0 against former assistant coaches, the Kirby Smarts of the world, the, uh, the Lane, now the Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what they're doing. They know what he's doing, but I think he knows a little bit better how to, uh, how to scheme things out and, uh, dance around those things. So it's interesting to see whenever he goes up against a former assistant coach, you know, Jeremy Pruitt and those guys and everything, um, but man, you can't argue with that number twenty one and zero against former assistant coaches, pretty crazy. Uh, but next Saturday, Georgia and Alabama will face off in the uh, that twelve thirty slot. That uh, that twelve thirty slot that uh, is on CBS and and is always good good matchups. We had a good matchup with Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee played this this previous week. Tennessee played pretty well. They hung in there. I don't think they're quite back by any means, but they played well. Second half was a different story. Georgia pulled away, beat them up. And uh, I think you got to see how good Georgia was really uh, in that moment. So Georgia and Alabama, two undefeateds, uh, facing off next Saturday. uh, It's number two versus number three, I believe, in the rankings. And uh, after it was all said and done, there will be one undefeated team left in the SEC whoever wins that game. So that's probably already the game of the year here on the schedule. And uh, I have a feeling they'll probably well, play each other again. Uh, are they in the West East? Yes. I don't, I don't have, I'm not sure how the sec divisions work, but I'm pretty sure they will uh, they play each other again in the sec title game. Uh, if it, you know, whatever happens anyway, that was kind of a rundown there. I'm really looking forward to that game on Saturday. That will uh, take us, take us uh, through the week for sure. All week I'll be thinking about getting through my work week. Just to, all right, Alabama, Georgia. I hope it lives up to the hype and um, it should be a lot of fun. Georgia, I think looks a little better defensively than Alabama does in beating Tennessee and beating Auburn the previous week. Um, So that will be interesting to watch kind of the Alabama offense versus Georgia defense and, 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 you know, vice versa, as far as, the uh, Georgia offense, pretty good. They're not, you know, lighting the world on f- uh, fire or anything, uh, but they 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 could score some points as well. So uh, we'll see if the Alabama defense can get on track. I, I think it'll be a classic SEC matchup. Really, I think it'll be a little bit more lower, low scoring than games have been. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, in closing, with college football, I do want to say <laughs> there was a very odd situation in the Auburn Arkansas game. Something I've never seen before. And I'm sure a lot of people out there haven't seen, you know, as football referees, we talk a lot about, um, we talked a lot about weird plays and rules and rules being in the book for a reason. And, and it, it it's crazy how often they come up, you know, you think you're never going to see something and then boom, that comes up. Well, something crazy in the Auburn, Arkansas game, first of all, everyone knows what a spike is. You Get the ball, throw the ball into the, receive the snap, throw the ball into the ground like an incomplete pass. It stops the clock. It's not intentional grounding. It's a designated rule uh, with an exception basically made in the rule book. That's why you're allowed to spike a forward pass to conserve time. Um, with the, there's certain restrictions on it though. You have to receive the snap cleanly. It has to be an immediate spike. So that was the first thing that happened. The quarterback kind of bobbled the snap term in the rule book is he muffed the snap, didn't control it, got control of it, and then spiked it. But it was not a clean re- receiving of the snap, and it was not uh, immediate. It's got to be immediate. What made this play even funkier, so it was a penalty for intentional grounding. You can't do that. But what made the, the play wilder was that the quarterback in his panic of receiving the snap He turned around, he basically turned around, turned backwards and spiked the ball backwards. Now, I don't know how many guys saw this play, but he basically threw a backwards pass into the ground, which I don't, I'm sure you're following me here is a live ball. It's like lateraling the ball or or fumbling. Like it's a live ball. He turned around backwards and threw a backwards pass into the ground. Now the officials had never seen this before, I'm assuming. And they came in and they killed it. They called it an incomplete pass. It was a spike. It was a penalty. It was an illegal spike. So they flagged it. But what they failed to do was notice that the pass was backwards. It was like, oh no, backwards pass. That should have been a live ball. Now, replay got involved and there wasn't an immediate recovery allegedly, which what is immediate, what is not. I mean, you also have whistles being blown, everyone's trying to stop play and everything. One of the defenders on the Arkansas team eventually did jump on the football. There was a scramble for the ball and and they're killing the play and everything. So he jumped on the football. There's argument made, you know, specifically by the SEC officiating department and their replay that it wasn't an immediate recovery. So you can't give the ball to the defense. That's what they said. I think this was a mess up by, uh, I could be wrong, but it it, it appears to me from uh, the limited knowledge I have that this was a a bad situation, a bad call. And I know I feel bad for him because you don't see a backwards spike, a backwards pass thrown into the ground. You just don't see it. And I think the, the Auburn quarterback uh, who did it, Bo Nix, I think is his name. You know, shame on him for letting it happen. That would have been a tough way to lose for Auburn. Um, the officials did not give the ball to Arkansas. Auburn kept the ball and kicked the game winning field goal as time expired. So a very difficult loss for Arkansas. They definitely have a gripe. If you guys haven't seen that play, go check it out. Um, it's very unique. It's very odd. Um, again, when you think you've seen it all, we'll just watch another football game okay, because there's plenty to see. There's crazy things that happen that, uh, if you're not expecting them, they will jump out at you. And I'm sitting there on my couch going, that's a backwards pass. That's a live ball thinking they were going to give the ball to the defense. But the argument was there was no immediate recovery. That was the term. That's what they said. That's the terminology and everything. Uh, we'll see. I like to hear from my officiating experts, Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino to see what they have to say on a very, very unique play, weird situation. And, uh, you know, sometimes college kids, man, they put, they do weird things, uh, on and off the field. And that was definitely one of the weirdest things I saw over the weekend. Uh, and, and on Saturday, uh, specifically, uh, we just weird, weird college football stuff. So let's transition over to, um, some NFL top topics here. I think there was a lot of uh, NFL drama on Sunday, Uh, so many crazy things that happened, and uh, we'll get right into that here after another quick breather. Well, some very big news on Sunday with NFL action. Uh, The biggest news of the day was probably the Dak Prescott injury, just a gruesome uh, injury. I feel very bad for Dak um for the cowboy organization i mean dak dak is a dak seems to me to be a, a really good guy i don't know him personally i always kind of judge these guys quarterbacks these athletes with uh, you know i think we all do a little bit but you 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 judge their their um how they carry themselves you know how they how they speak things they say i i think we're hard on athletes a lot of times, but, but Dak Prescott to me, he seems to have always said the right things, been a, been a good leader, a good quarterback uh, and a guy that I know there's, there's been some issues with him and his contracts and everything here in Dallas, but just very sad to see his ankle busted up the way it was. I was watching it live and I was like, Oh, that's bad. And you know, sure enough it was, it was, it was nice to see Jason Garrett, his old coach, who's the offensive coordinator of the New York giants. Now he went out there and you know, was offering his support to Dak, and and I thought uh, everyone was just their hearts broke were broken broken for the guy. Um, he's he's been through a lot already in his life. His mother passed away when he was very young. Uh, he had a brother commit suicide uh, in very recent months. Uh, just some terrible things, really, that Dak has had to go through. And I know he's going to bounce back from this. I, I really do. I think um, he, he's a he's a fighter. He's going to fight through this adversity and he will be back and i hope him and the cowboys can can work out uh, some contract uh, issues there and moving forward uh but that was pretty wild game the cowboys hung on to uh, beat the new york giants i had forgot that their backup quarterback was um uh andy dalton from the from the uh Sorry, mind blank here. Uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, his time there, of course. Uh, anyway, um, he did the job. He's gonna, he's he's gonna be okay, I think. Uh, for for the Cowboys, they got to turn it around and get a little more consistent here. Because man, they struggled. They look bad against the uh, the uh, the Giants, and and honestly, so did my Rams in the previous week. So the Giants are are playing hard. Uh, they can't quite get over the hump and get that first win. But they are playing hard and really making it tough on the teams they play. I do want to say this about the Dak Prescott injury. You guys have heard me before talk about quarterbacks running. I know you can't just say, oh, quarterbacks never going to run, never going to not run, not going to. How do you say that? Not going to never run. Whatever. I'm very critical of this this new fad we seem to be in with um, quarterbacks running. And I'm talking about designed runs. You know, you didn't see this 10 years ago. Now you have all these rules, these rules protecting quarterbacks, right? And mostly rules in the pocket, but also anytime they run the ball, you can't hit them in the head. You can't hit them low that, I mean, those are more when you're in the pocket and everything, but it's, I just, I just, I've always felt that you're playing with fire. Anytime you have the quarterback run the ball and I, and I know guys are athletic guys can take hits. They can survive but all you're doing is increasing the odds of a major injury. It's not a good idea. It's a high it's a high risk, yes, high reward in some cases. Lamar Jackson is a credible athlete. Gets all kinds of yards on the ground. All right, but you got to also remember that quarterbacks are hit often. Illegal and legal. Anytime they're flagged for a, a hit against the quarterback, it's not like that hit Magically disappears. It still happened. Quarterback gets hit in the knee or the, or the jaw. Sure. It's a penalty these days, but they still got hit. That contact doesn't magically go away. All right. So with these designed quarterback runs, uh, as often as they're called these days, you're just playing with fire, man. The play with Dak Prescott was a quarterback draw and he was trying to break a tackle and you got rolled up on terrible situation. I'm not saying quarterbacks should never run the ball. I'm saying you got to be careful with how often you do it because all it takes is one, one big hit, one guy rolling up on an ankle. Just one. Th- I mean, J- Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not m- much of a mobile guy. Remember two years ago, he was running the ball. He was a scramble. Wasn't a design run to my knowledge. And instead of running out of bounds, he cut in and tore his acl i mean there's so much risk of injury in the nfl every year you see something i just don't understand why you would want to increase the chances really of injury with the person you pay the most money to the person that is most important to your team okay maybe like when you're driving we all speed if you don't speed you're you're a liar <laughs> we all go over 65 miles an hour but it's how much do we speed how are you are you going 80 are you going 70 how off how much do you speed and how much okay because the more you speed the more likely you are to get a ticket maybe you won't get a ticket but the odds go up significantly the more you do it all right. I'm not saying don't ever call a quarterback draw. Don't ever, uh, don't ever not run the zone read option. What, whatever do it when you do it. That's fine. Especially if, if you're very successful at running the ball as a quarterback, but guys, it takes one time. Why increase the odds? Any quarterback runs I would call, I would want them be designed where it's a, a bootleg and the quarterback's running out of bounds, no contact, no nothing. Cause they get enough contact in the pocket. When they're anytime they think about it, they drop back 40, 50 times a game to throw a pass. Those are situations right there where they could get hit. Even on the completed passes, they take shots, right? As the ball's being thrown right after it's thrown. So why increase the odds with a lot of running plays designed for the quarterback? I get it. Four or five calls, whatever a game, sure. But you start because quarterbacks are going to naturally run the ball also in scrambling. But then when you put in a bunch of design plays with quarterbacks running the ball and you start getting into like 10 times or more, I think you're playing with fire. I really do. I'm not blaming uh, the play call on Dak Prescott being injured. I think Dak Prescott is a heck of a football player. He's a great passer. He runs the ball pretty well. I wouldn't call him a runner by any means like Lamar Jackson or uh, who's another one? Uh, can't come to thick thick to mind right now Russell Wilson he's a scrambler he'll move around they do some design runs with him but you think of Lamar Jackson and who is improved passing by the way a very he throws the ball very well but you think of him as a runner that you're trying to get 100 yards rushing from and I just think it's dangerous so speedy recovery to Dak Prescott those are just my two cents on running quarterbacks um, I don't want to see people injured I hate seeing it um Cam Newton he's another one he he's he's a thrower but you know he has a lot of design runs and I know he's a big guy but still man it's the NFL and it's dangerous out there there's uh, freak accidents that happen uh and you know when you increase the odds of accidents happening uh, I don't think you can be surprised when uh, something goes terribly wrong uh Anyway, Dak Prescott, Speedy Recovery. We look forward to seeing you back next season. And uh, yeah, uh, you're a tough football player, man. And we hate seeing that happen to anybody out there. Tough, tough situation in Dallas. Uh, Similarly, I guess kind of tied into that story was uh, the Los Angeles Rams played at the Washington football team, the Washington Redskins. And um, Alex Smith was the quarterback of the Redskins, and he broke his leg a couple of years ago. I mean, one of the worst injuries we've ever seen. Um, And the aftermath of him breaking his leg, there were some very uh, brutal complications with surgeries and everything. There was talk that he was going to have his leg amputated. There was talk that uh, his life was in danger. He could have died. I mean, there was – if you guys haven't seen the – I think it's an hour-long documentary on ESPN Plus about his – situation and this was like a year ago or a few months ago uh very gruesome stuff well you know what alex smith uh the rams beat washington 30 to 10 and and that's not the storyline really but the the storyline is alex smith coming back and getting uh coming back on the football field playing nfl football after a lot of people said he'd never walk again some people said he'd lose his leg uh the the courage really for him to To push through all those surgeries, all that rehab, to learn how to walk, how to run, how to play football again, and then to be able to do it a few years later, just, it was truly inspiring. And I felt bad for him because he was getting sacked quite a bit by the Rams defense, but it was really cool to see a guy come back from horrible adversity. And basically his life was on the line not too long ago. And he could easily just walked away and said, you know what? Football, I'm lucky to be alive and football has uh, done a lot for me, but he was determined to come back and play. And he's done that. And if he walks away now, I I, I don't think there's a person out there that wouldn't have respect for him and say, hey, man, you, you inspired all of us. I mean, that's a lot of work over the years to come all the way back and to be an NFL player again, an NFL quarterback. So God bless you, Alex Smith, and your your family. I, I thought that was really amazing to see on Sunday, and I wish you nothing but the best in moving forward, and hope we see uh, more of you on the football field this season and uh, and beyond. <coughs> excuse me, guys. Some other notes on Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, NFL action. Um, you know, I really thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to get a win this week. I really did. Zero four playing the two and two Panthers. I said, you know what? Panthers have won two in a row. I think Atlanta's due for a win, a divisional game. I think they can do it. I really believe they can do it, and they didn't do it. They lost to the Panthers, and almost immediately after that game, head coach Dan Quinn lost his job. He was fired, the second coach in the NFL this season to be fired. Uh, The 0-5 start with the Atlanta Falcons, and it wasn't just the 0-5. It's that they lost a couple different games. With big leads in the fourth quarter, and you know all of this, it's kind of like overlapping from the Super Bowl. What three years ago when they were up twenty-eight to three over the New England Patriots and lost that game? I mean, Dan Quinn was the coach back. He took this team to the Super Bowl. They had that big lead. They lost that game. Uh, the first first and only uh, Super Bowl game to go into overtime. Patriots won that, and then it's just been inconsistent the past couple of years. Last year, I think his job, he was in trouble, but they started slow, and then the team played really well the second half of the season to kind of save his job. But uh, Dan Quinn is, is a very good defensive coach. He was a defense coordinator for the Seahawks for a while and just couldn't quite get it done anymore with the Atlanta Falcons. I feel bad for him because I don't think it's all his fault. I really don't. But unfortunately, in, in that business, it's a performance – it's a results business, and you can't really defend 0-5, especially with all the other things that have happened with the Falcons. So uh, Dan Quinn is uh, is fired, and the Falcons will be looking for a new head coach next season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I probably – I don't know. If, if ever I thought they could have won a game, I thought it was this week. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, Dan Quinn. Um, you had some good years in Atlanta and some uh, good memories, I'm sure. Uh, but in moving forward, I, I'm sure he'll land somewhere. I'm sure he'll he'll get another job somewhere. Uh, probably the biggest upset of NFL Sunday was the Las Vegas Ra- Raiders beating Kansas City previously unbeaten Kansas City Chiefs, 40 to 32. Not only did they beat the Chiefs, but they scored 40 points on them, and they had a 16 point lead with right about five minutes left. So Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes uh, late, and they rallied and and couldn't quite. Uh, you know, complete the big comeback, but the Raiders are looking good. They really are. They beat the Saints. They beat the Chiefs. I know they've lost a couple games as well. Uh, You know, they're three and two, but uh, they lost to the Bills, which was a good team Um, uh, last week. You know, the Raiders, the Raiders are for real, I think. And for real, I mean, they might be in the mix for a playoff spot. I still think Kansas city is going to win that division. I really do. Uh, But the Raiders are playing well. I think John Gruden, has got that team moving offensively. They seem very balanced to me. They can run the ball, throw the ball. And if they can play just good enough defense, I think uh, they're going to win some games. So it pains me to say it because I don't like the Raiders, but the Las Vegas Raiders uh, appear to be playing some, some pretty good football. Uh, are sitting 3-2 and now. They took down the defending Super Bowl champs. It was the first loss for the Chiefs since November, I think. Uh, Pretty crazy stuff. Um, So watch out for the Las Vegas Raiders. Probably the biggest disappointment of the weekend, or shocker we'll say, not disappointing for me by any means, was the San Francisco 49ers losing on the road to the Miami Dolphins by a score of 43-17. to It was not just surprising that they lost, but how they lost. Jimmy Garoppolo was pulled during the game and, you know, they said his ankle was acting up again, but he wasn't playing well. The Dolphins scored 40 plus points on the 49ers on that defense. Are you kidding me? The, 40, uh, the, the Dolphins who can't quite seem to figure out who they want to have play quarterback this season. Do they play Tua? Do they keep going with Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, they're bouncing back and forth. They've had very inconsistent play. That Miami Dolphins team drops 43 points on you. What happened, San Francisco? That's crazy. I mean, the only win San Francisco has this year are over the New York teams. They beat the Jets and Giants in back-to-back weeks. Other than that, the Niners have losses to the Cardinals at home, the Eagles at home, and now the Miami Dolphins. Those are not good looks for their team. I, I It feels very similar to the Rams last year. The Rams go to the Super Bowl the previous year, come back, and they just don't quite look as sharp. They don't quite look like the same team that went to the Super Bowl. And that's how the Niners look right now. You can blame it on injuries. You can say everyone's injured, and they're very banged up. But you know what? Uh, everyone's injured. A lot of people are injured. And uh, it, it's really, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, moving forward, if Jimmy Garoppolo is the is the long-term solution there. He gets all the blame, uh, of course. And that's not, yeah whether he should or shouldn't it is what it is um quarterback's always going to be get all the credit and all the blame that's just the way it goes i think Kyle Shanahan's a great coach i really do he he's uh he's going to turn things around maybe they have a tough year this year we'll see but for now um but man right now after through five games the niners have not looked very good and it doesn't break my heart by any means cuz i i am not a i do not like the niners at all, and they're in the Rams division, so a lot of uh, things, to say, a lot of uh, a lot of hatred there. Um, man, I gotta tell you, the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, I can't believe I'm saying this. It pains me to say it because I do not like Baker Mayfield. Cleveland Browns are four and one guys, thirty-two to twenty-three win over the Indianapolis Colts, who are a very good football team. Um, I think Philip Rivers has seen better days. There's moments where he looks really good, and man, there's moments where he looks like an old man, and he is an old man. But it's, it's interesting that the Browns have really found some momentum here. I think the less Baker Mayfield does, the better, because he looks so odd sometimes, scrambling, running around, and overthrowing receivers. I think if you continue to run the ball with Cleveland as their foundation and then have Mayfield go off a of play action, I think that's where they're going to continue to be successful. But yeah, the the I mean, it's unbelievable. When's the last time the Browns won? Well, they won six, seven games last year, I should say. But the last time the Browns were four and one, I mean, it was a long time ago. I think Belichick was their coach. (laughs) So a lot of excitement in Cleveland. We'll see if they can sustain it. That division uh, minus Cincinnati is very tough. Steelers are undefeated. The Ravens have one loss and the Browns have one loss. I mean, in moving forward, those are some, uh, it's going to be a tight race in that division. I really believe that. Steelers look good. They continue to play well. They beat the Eagles. They're undefeated. Uh, Steelers are undefeated, uh, but a lot's going to change in the uh, in that division, in the uh, the AFC North. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, finally, the nightcap. What a game between the Vikings and the Seahawks. I got to tell you, um, I really thought the Vikings were going to do it. And that was before the game started. I, I like the way the Vikings ran the ball throughout the season, even though they have kind of a, a tough loss. Um, a, a, a tough few losses, a tough record, I'll say. One and three going into the game. They played pretty well, played good enough to win. It, ultimately, it came down to a play late in the game. Uh, Vikings led by five, 26-21, I believe. And they were well inside the um, red zone. It came down, I think it was near the 10-yard line, somewhere around there. Anyway, it was a fourth down and one play. And the Vikings could have kicked the field goal to go up three points or excuse me, kick the field, go really up well, eight points, which is, uh, is perfect. It means you can't lose. You They can only rally and tie you with a two-point conversion. Not a bad move, right? It's a safe move. But the Vikings were also running the ball incredibly well all game. And they made a decision as I was watching it. I was like, you know what? Anytime you – because if they got the first down, the game was over. The clock was going to run out two minutes or something like that. And anytime you can get a, you know, it comes down to one yard. Hey, if you, if we can get one yard, we win a game. I I think it's a good decision. And and Mike Zimmer made the decision to run the ball on fourth down. They went for it and uh, it didn't work out. Seattle made a play. Seattle stuffed them and they then got the ball, went up the field, and, and won the game. They got Russell Wilson, who's a, a you know a bad man, a very, very great quarterback, especially a two-minute drill. And uh, Seattle won that game in the final seconds. There are people who are critical of Mike Zimmer for his decision. I, I support the decision. I think it was a good move. And you tell your team, hey, if we had just got a yard, it might have even be less than that, half a yard. We win a football game. And that's confidence in a team. Um, you could play it safe and take the eight-point lead, or Guys, we can win the game right here. Russell Wilson never sees the ball again. So the, I, I I hate to be the guy on Monday mornings that you see this. Oh my goodness. Some guys are the worst at it. Any decision that doesn't work out, people will criticize. Oh, how could they make it? That, that was the wrong decision. It's easy to say that afterwards. Say it while it's happening. I'm not now. It's not to say that there's not time to criticize people. But just because something doesn't work out doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. You know what I mean? I thought it was a good decision, and it just didn't work out. You're playing another NFL team that has NFL players and coaches, and they got you on that play. You see in baseball, a lot of people are critical of pitching changes and, and stuff like that. And they're only critical, of course, when it when it doesn't work out. <laughs> they don't go back and say, hey, you know, it worked out for them, but that was a bad move. So I, I think Zimmer made the right call and, you know, just didn't work out for the Giants. And, and unfortunately they're now uh, one in four and their season's probably, probably toast now, even though we've seen some good things from them, you know, it goes to show you the NFL, you can be a decent team and have a pretty bad record because the ball doesn't bounce your way sometimes. So tough break for them. Again, very good football game. I don't think you can ever give Russell Wilson time on the clock. Uh, and that's what happened last night. Uh, he looked really good. They got some pressure on him early in the game, which I thought was good, but, uh, you know, he's still Russell Wilson. He's always going to be there at the end to make some plays. And he absolutely did. Uh, well, I was kind of wrapping up our NFL thing here. Uh, you know, like I said, the Browns are four and one, I'm still not a believer yet. I think it's going to be a good, good division. They're going to make a run here and, and win some games, but I'm still not a believer. Maybe if they beat the Ravens or they beat the Steelers or some other good team on there, then maybe I'll be like, okay, they're for real. But for now, I just don't have faith in Baker Mayfield. I think he'll screw it up somehow. Um, maybe he'll prove me wrong. I don't know. But for now, five games in, still not quite buying into the hype. Uh, and I got to say, this happened the second week in a row, up in Santa Clara for that uh, 49er game. <laughs> The, the, whoever the mask police is up there, uh, the, the Santa Clara officials, I think Travis touched on this last week when, when they played, uh, Seattle, excuse me, they, they hosted Philadelphia where the broadcasters had to wear masks and it was just such a joke. Well, even this week, not only the broadcasters and, and people on the side, everyone had to wear masks, including the broadcasters, but then they even put a glass shield between the, the, uh, broadcasters as if that wasn't enough. So, I mean, Santa Clara just overreacting, in my opinion, with all this stuff. Pretty ridiculous. (laughs) I I mean, where does it stop? Where does it stop, guys? Oh, it's crazy. But a wild NFL weekend. And I got to say tonight's game between the Chargers and Saints should be a pretty good one. Uh, Don't forget there's one more game on Tuesday night between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. That might be the game of the week, at least on paper anyway. So uh, looking forward to that. Tuesday night football. When's the last time we got to say that or see that, right? Great stuff ahead. So that will that will conclude our NFL uh, breakdown here of games that happen on Sunday. And we look forward to doing this again next week on Monday with our Monday morning uh, recap of sports from the weekend. Before I wrap up the show, I just want to say a few things about something that happened last night. Uh, I haven't talked a whole lot about it, but, yeah, the Lakers did win the NBA championship. But I find it absolutely reprehensible. Some of the rioting, looting, destruction, the assaulting of police cars. Saw a lot of that last night for the Laker championship celebration. I really hope someone like LeBron James or any member of the Lakers community steps up and says this is absolutely unacceptable. For all this talk about this was a championship to honor Kobe Bryant and his daughter. This is for them. All that talk we've heard. And then the Lakers win a championship and you immediately start looting and rioting in Los Angeles. What is wrong with you people? You're disgusting. You are absolutely disgusting. And you are, are completely uh, diminishing the memory of Kobe Bryant with those actions. Laker fans say, oh, how great, what great and wonderful. It, I know not all Laker fans are out there rioting and, and this and that. All right. Well, that's just appalling. LAPD had to make major arrests last night and had to uh, s- squash the crowds that had uh, gathered and were destroying so many things. Cop cars damaged. It's absolutely disgusting and I'm tired of seeing it. And I'm really sick of it being as a result of the Lakers winning the championship. You think that's like what, what in what world do you think that's acceptable? I I doubt any members of the Lakers will say anything about it because they're just happy to be out of their bubble and they, they won their woke championship and uh, you know, they'll, they'll go bash other things, they'll they'll go uh, knock down some other uh, political sides of things, and, and probably will make no mention over the 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 criminal behavior that occurred in Los Angeles Sunday night. You're making me absolutely sick that I supported the Laker organization. I am embarrassed as a someone who is from Southern California that this is how. People in Los Angeles behave after you win a a sports championship. I hope to God if the Dodgers win that it's not more of this stuff. I applaud the LAPD with all of their arrests. And I'm absolutely sickened that this behavior continues to go on in the city of Los Angeles. There's been terrible riots and all these different things. Peaceful protests, of course. Peaceful rioting. And all over the country, but LA always seems to do it a little bit more than everyone else. So you people out there rioting, especially in your Laker gear, you make me sick. And you, and you, you have embarrassed Kobe Bryant, Bryant's legacy. You, you took a a moment that could be, could have been a nice tribute, could have been, but no. The, the, the savages that go out there and rob and loot and burn and destroy things in the city of Los Angeles in honor of the lake of a celebration. It's absolutely ridiculous. Hope they arrest more people. You are a terrible representation of Southern California and the city of Los Angeles. It's absolutely deplorable what happened Sunday night. And some people think it's great. I'm sure, and that's sad. That really is sad. But now that this Laker season is over, we have to listen and watch the the daily praise of LeBron James and uh, you know all the all the different messages that he has, uh, him and his colleagues have for uh, for America. So uh, I am absolutely sickened, and I think it's uh, horrible what I saw Sunday night in Los Angeles. And uh, to anybody who was out there doing it, I mean, shame on you. Shame on all of you. Shame on every single one of you. You think Kobe Bryant is happy about that? You think Kobe Bryant, the person you guys thought was the greatest ever and, and probably was the greatest Laker, you think he's proud of you guys for doing those things? Honoring, you think he wants his death remembered this way? Shame on all of you. Well, that will wrap up today's episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Our second week of doing a sports recap show on Mondays, talking college football from Saturday, talking NFL football from Sunday, as well as some other sports topics uh, and seeing some results from the baseball playoffs. Just a lot of fun letting out, uh, blowing off some steam for me and to talk about what I saw over the weekend. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Give me some feedback if you like, if you kind of want some Uh, different things to happen on Mondays, but that's kind of the plan for now is to just kind of talk sports on Monday and give my thoughts, my opinions on things that are going on over the sports world and, and outside of the sports world as well. Uh, If you like it, uh, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. I'd like to hear feedback from you guys. I think it'll make things a lot better in moving forward and kind of tell me a direction to, to go. Our total plays continue to skyrocket and our estimated audience really is approaching at uh, hundred mark, which I'm very proud of. So hopefully we're, we're gaining audience members out there. You guys are liking what you hear. And if you're not, be sure to let me know so we can kind of structure the show uh, that you guys would like to see. And uh, I'm doing my best here guys, as, as we move forward and try to make things a lot better uh, doing this show and also, uh, you know, balancing out a work life and everything as well. So uh, great things ahead for the get home safe podcast. And thanks you all. Thank you all for the support. Well, our next show will be on Wednesday, and that will be with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. We are looking to either record on Tuesday or Wednesday morning so that we can get the show out on Wednesday uh, instead of Thursday like last week. It will either be out bright and early um, on Wednesday morning, or it'll be out just before noon on Wednesday. I think it's probably our best bet, Uh, so be sure to tune in for that if you have questions or comments or anything for bill barnes or myself before that episode takes place be sure to contact us probably uh sometime tonight monday or tuesday morning maybe uh if you don't hear from us uh you know the or you don't hear back from me then uh, just know that we probably recorded already anyway we would love to hear from you uh regarding bill barnes or just anything in general so send in those questions you know how to reach us there's many ways to follow the get home safe podcast we have a twitter handle that is get home safe pod our facebook and instagram page is get home safe podcast and our email address is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com we want to hear from you so contact us through any of those uh, options that you have there i know bill barnes is excited to come back and record uh, with me. We're going to have a great show for you on Wednesday. Hopefully we get it out on Wednesday this week. We were not able to do the live video uh, Zoom recording on Sunday. Didn't quite work out. We didn't really have uh, enough takers. And with Bill's schedule and my schedule, it was just like, hey, let's not try to, try to force this. So we will try to do that in the future at some point. I'm not sure when, but we will make it happen down the road. And I can promise you it will be a lot of fun. I know Bill wants to do it. I want to do it there's some fans out there who want to do it as well we will uh try to strategize out try to make it try, make a strategy to get put some strategy out there and make it happen man i can't talk today or i've been talking too much that's uh, probably the issue <laughs> anyway uh we'll make it happen i promise you down the road here very very soon uh but you guys know bill barnes you know what he's like he's ready he's fired up i think there's a lot of Uh, More political news out there that he is going to attack on Wednesday, uh, as well as uh, I got plenty of stuff to throw his way as well. Plus, Major League Baseball playoffs talk, talk as uh, Bill is a big baseball uh, follower, we'll say. Maybe not a fan, but he follows the game uh, quite closely, so we'll have a lot of discussion. Over some uh, baseball playoff games, I am sure. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to you joining us on Wednesday. We will have a guest on Friday. I'm not going to tell you about them yet until we lock it down, and I'll tell you about our guest on Friday, on Wednesday, with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh in. Looking forward to having you join us. So, guys, it's Monday. Hopefully, everyone had a great weekend. I wish you nothing but the best this week as we start a new week. Of fun, of work, of whatever you're doing. I know for me, another work week and uh, another fun week of doing episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hope you can join us Wednesday and Friday. Thanks for joining us today. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.